It's Tempo Waffle Time! Welcome to Tefl Waffle with Troy and Steve, and it's uh, Steve's topic today, which Troy has chosen for him. Yeah, the topic is um, the uh, well, the question: Does communicative language teaching really work? Uh, I don't actually see that as the topic. No. I think the topic is it, topic. it doesn't work. Okay. I've tried it. I know. I want to do it the old way. Yeah. Okay. So this this uh, maybe we should start with just defining what communicative language teaching is, just in case. Okay. Okay, so in a communicative language teaching class, the idea um, is to get the students speaking as much as possible, and the thinking is that the more the students are talking, the the greater the language learning is going to take. Okay, uh, is the, take that languages embed. aren't a theoretical subject, they're a practical subject, so they're closer to uh, automotive maintenance than trigonometry, let's say. Yes. yes. Yeah, it's not a code-breaking. It's, it's getting the students to... Utilize the language with one another in role plays and and. Uh, okay. Well, the the translation of the theory is that yes, the students should be doing things like role plays or speaking to each other, or sometimes even making mistakes. Uh, they should be a lot more active in the classroom. Right. In actual fact, mistakes are a crucial part. It's through the mistakes that the students are going to be learning. Um, and to go back to automotive maintenance, uh, I, I sort of think about it more in terms of learning how to swim. Okay. You've, you've got to get into the swimming pool and splash around and get those nerves and muscles working through through practice to, to become a proficient swimmer. And that's what a communicative language teaching lesson is. Now, the topic here is... Uh, teachers who say, well, look, it doesn't work. This is not how yeah. languages are learned. I don't want to get my students into the class and just get them to talk to each other. First of all, students are not supposed to talk in class. Classrooms are... For the teacher. Be, uh, right, and the students the have to be quiet. <laughs> and um, secondly, the students are not going to learn by doing something as stupid as talking. They've got to learn stuff. They've got to actually... Analyze it and take notes and right. and memorize the... And if, the, if they're the doing that, then the teacher's doing their job well. Now, I've had plenty of opportunities to see teachers really fight with the communicative language Yes, teacher. so have I. And, and that's why... Look, I know that I, I come across derisive, but it's not because I'm dismissive and I think the teacher is stupid when they say it doesn't work. I... I just think that they haven't been in an environment where it does work. And so if they try it and they fail miserably, I get it. What teacher wants to have a horrible lesson where the students are bored and confused, nothing works right, all your tasks are a flop? Of course, you're going to do anything to avoid that. And if that means sticking to the stuff you already know, like... uh, Lecturing about the the rules for embedded questions or whatever. Yeah, the the what what you say is quite right. The thing is that when teachers try something new, it's inevitable that it's going to flop. And no teacher, well, very few teachers that I know are happy to allow classrooms to to them to allow themselves to to, flop, to fail to fail in in front of a class of, of students. students. Yeah. Okay, so I I very much view it not as a. It doesn't work, more as a, I don't know how to make it work. And and I get the pushback, um, because in both of our teaching careers, we've also seen it from the students' perspective as well, uh, their argument for, teacher, can you give me the formula? Um, is that the verb to be? Uh, yeah, this is particularly the case with students who already have a very large 
background knowledge in jargon and... Uh, and language learning right. as opposed to language usage. So I think I've already mentioned uh, about that class that came down to me when I was working in Cambodia. A whole class came down to me to complain about a new teacher. Um, and uh, really, they were quite... Uh, they were really angry. And I thought that something terrible had happened in the classroom. But what actually... The problem, the complaint that they had was that this, this teacher was getting them to sit and talk to each other in pairs. And um, it was their contention that they hadn't paid the money that they'd paid in order to sit in class and talk to their partner. They wanted the teacher to talk to them, but the teacher was being quiet. Okay. And um, um, that was a long time ago, but more recently, I've got a teacher at one school who's very unpopular with the, with the other Western teachers. He's arrogant. He, he doesn't allow anybody else to talk. He's just all about himself all the time. He's one of those people. Yeah. Okay. And um, the... <laughs> <laughs> the manager wants to let him go. Yes. Um, and the director of the school, who's not a foreigner, or well, who's a local, yeah. he, he's of the opinion that this is one of the best teachers because he's talkative. He talks to the students. He talks about himself, given, but he, he talks, and the students are talked to. <laughs> oh, um, what do the students think of him? The students love him because he's, he's so engaging and he, he obviously loves their attention. Okay. And um, so he's very popular with the, with the, the local management. Okay, so this teacher's kind of got... He's most certainly not using a communicable method because he's getting into classroom and he's talking the entire time, um, mostly about himself from what I can see. Okay. <laughs> I'm wondering what the students are getting. Uh, I'm trying to come up with an argument to justify what the teacher's doing. Struggling a little. All right, the so students are getting lots of listening. Um, yeah, and it's well, animated listening and it's contextual. Well, it's Krashen. That's very Krashen, I tell Yes. It's getting lots of input. Back to the communicative language teaching, though. The, the concept that the, the communicative language teaching method works or doesn't work falls into a fatal pit which perhaps we need to, this, to discuss. This, the black and whiteness of it, you mean? Well, the, the methods debate. Um, okay. So in, in the 1970s and 80s, there was a, a, or maybe even in the 60s, there was this big push to standardise teaching yeah. um, by, by <clears throat> finding a method that would supersede bad teaching. Yeah, uh, this was the era where one of the, one of the methods were just called the experimental methods... <laughs> So, yeah, it was yeah. that kind of era where they so, were trying out yeah, we things. had some interesting stuff there, Suggestopedia and the Silent, yeah. Yeah. The silent Way. And, 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 and the Natural Approach and yeah. Lexical Approach. And but, of course, the, the strong ones were the, the grammar translation method and the audiolingual method. And um, the idea was that if you, if you can standardise the method enough, even a bad teacher will do a good job. Yeah. And it's a set system, just look, follow these steps, A, right. B, C. Make, the, make the cake, follow the recipe, don't and mess yeah, with it. And the students in classroom A will have the same experience that classroom B will have. But of course that's rubbish. Uh, and it didn't work. Well, it doesn't work, yeah, sure. Um, and saying communicative language teaching is right or wrong falls into that trap of thinking that the method is the thing that's important. Okay. Um, which is probably not necessarily true. Teachers need a method, uh, uh, and... I do believe they need something to follow and they need something to believe in. And teachers who don't have something to believe in become a bit wishy-washy. And um, Yeah, they, they, they start making up their own uh, justifications for the things that they're doing. I, well, I believe that. And surely, and this is... And I, I mean, I, I know some good, quite good teachers who sometimes say things that make me go, What? 
and well, that's great. It, as long as they believe in something, that's probably uh, they a good start. do. But you can tell that it's a, a post hoc justification for something that, that yes, and it's a personally held belief rather than uh, something that they know from other classes or from their students. It's it's a their opinion. So the the alternative to a methods approach is the question of well, well if we if we if we um, admit that methods is not the answer, that finding a universal method that all teachers can follow that's going to solve the language learning problem, um, then the next question is, so what is the important um, issue? Personally, as a teacher, I don't think it's methods. I think it's principles. Principles? Tell me about your principles. Okay, so, for example, in uh, communicative language teaching, uh, there's not supposed to be too much... Uh, in-your-face correction, let's say. The correction is supposed to be a bit more subtle. So when you're going through the language with the class, you do lots of guiding and, and helping the class to self-correct, and, and so you can point out, we wouldn't call them the patterns, because patterns are, are so much more communicative than rules, uh, which is true, because pointing out, see that all these words have uh, an am before them, is a lot better than saying, uh, notice that uh, before these compound adjectives, we're using the verb to be. So the principle is that you're eliciting... eliciting okay, that's, so, so that's a, a principle, is be gentle with your correction, point out patterns. These are principles, that okay. I, I think. But see, I am... Um, I've come to realize through experimentation because, okay, I've, maybe I've just been teaching for too long, but I, I like to experiment. My students really like correction. Like they really like correction. And from a logical perspective, if I was trying to communicate to you and you were interrupting me to correct what I was saying, I'd say, just shut up and listen to what I'm trying to say. Yeah, but, but that's not the, the... The student's view is that they're in a classroom for a and reason. Yeah, they're there to learn. Right, and the communication part is... We think is really important because we're communicative language teaching teachers. But um, but our students do have an accuracy focus. They, they like the correction. So uh, there's an activity that I... I developed and I tried it out and I kept on developing. And, and it's a kind of a thing... It's, it's a little, let's say it's a little like mini role play where the students are in pairs, but the students are in pairs in such a way that they keep having to swap pairs. And the classroom is organized in such a way where I have access to every pair. It's not a, it's not a mill drill where they're all moving around. It's, this is your pair, now swap, you're with that partner. No, it's not a buzz group. It's a, it's a pair thing where they're rotating along a line of, of people. And it's set up in that way so that I can stand at a specific spot in the line and as, as each pair come through, I get to listen to them and correct. And sometimes that's grammar, sometimes it's pronunciation, sometimes it's vocabulary, some, whatever. But I'm standing at a point in there. They're doing a little role play and I'm interrupting them. I'm interrupting them as they're speaking to correct them. And they love it. Like they respond great to the correction. Mm. So um, the this question, uh, may, I I like your word principles. It's a it's a good way of of framing this. Um, from my research, I, I framed this in as beliefs. Okay. Um, I I framed it as teachers' beliefs about how things work in the classroom, and the current thinking in the beliefs literature is that 
teachers who have beliefs that are consistent or congruent with their practice are going to get better results. Better results, yeah. And it's not beliefs about anything other than what works for me, given my personality in this group of students. Um, so I walk into a classroom, I know that these things work for me, I f- see that they're not working for this class, and with a bit of reflection, I, I adapt that. But I, ultimately, it's my personality that's driving the classroom and my cognitions and my beliefs and stuff. So what I do with this class, when I leave, another teacher comes in and has a different set of beliefs and, and does a completely different thing, but it also works. Um, even though our methods are completely different, we're getting good results from this class because we're engaging the class with our, as you say, principles. principles. We're following our beliefs on how things work. So I know I'm not a fun guy. I'm not going to be able to play games. And when I do try and play games, they flop. And then the next teacher comes in and plays exactly the same game and it works great. <laughs> and what the hell? How did that work? But it's because I didn't play it with the right conviction. I, didn't, okay. I don't actually believe in games. So when I'm playing it, I'm playing it... Um, Vaguely, or without any without any belief that it's going to work out, so it doesn't work out. The kids don't buy into it. Um, okay. I mean, look, the you use the word there, uh, effective or results. That the teachers who are following their beliefs are, are getting results, and I think part of the whole this method doesn't work thing is also a question of how results are measured. Um, it's not just what the teacher's doing and whether the students are engaged in it or challenged or interested or engaged or amused or whatever. It's also a question of at the end of the day, uh, what measuring stick is the institution or the student themselves using? But, but you've touched on, a, on an important thing there. If, if my school has told me I have to use a communicative language teaching and yeah. I don't buy into it, that's not my belief. Yeah. It doesn't actually matter how the the students are going to measure anything or how the school's going to measure anything. Because I don't believe in it, my class is going to be flat, dull, boring, dry. The students are going to complain. They're not going to learn well because there's a mismatch between my beliefs and this this method that I've been um, okay. told to use. So even if we if we use, um, we've got a test. Yep. I mean, th- this question of testing throws yeah, uh, huge issues here. We've got massive washback here. Yeah. Okay, so let's just say that the, the school has decided it's a communicative language approach and they've set up a testing system which that is communicative. That reflects yeah. that, okay. It's a speaking test and they have to do this little thing and uh, through that they're going to get a communication and fluency score. Yeah. Um, but as a teacher, I have not been trained that way. I don't believe in it. That's not how I learned my second languages. Um, I just think it's a load of bump. My classrooms are going to be a mess. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to be happy in the school and my students are not going to learn well with me. So we've got this teacher now in, my, in the school who doesn't like this approach doesn't, and the students now don't like it as well because it's, it's dry. Yeah. Um, so how do you get that teacher to change their beliefs about this? Okay. Wow. <laughs> just start a whole new topic. How do you change a teacher's beliefs? Um, I don't. I. Uh, I don't think it's a changing a belief. I think it's a changing practice, and then the belief can follow. Um, uh, I've been in plenty of situations where the teacher said it doesn't work, and I've gone, "What do you mean it doesn't work? I do it all the time. It works fine. It's great." And then observing that teacher, and I go. Oh, it doesn't work, but from my perspective, I can look at it and go, it didn't work because, or this part was missing, or, or I mean, the classic one is, 
so I told them to, I, I was teaching them clothing and I, I, I put them in a group of four and said, okay, discuss your favorite clothes. But the students don't know words like favorite or prefer or like or, you know, they've just learned t-shirts. And so, of course, they can't have that conversation. It's, it's a poorly structured, it's a... Poorly it's thought a, through activity. It's a task that follows the principle uh, without any thought into the actual content. Yeah. And changing that teacher's practice sometimes does mean saying to the teacher, um, let me try. And I actually have found that the only way... To, Look, I can have the argument about your belief, and and I'm going to be, I'm going to love the discussion, um, but I'm loving the discussion as a theoretical thing. If I'm having it as your boss, and I'm actually trying to get you to change your practice, mm. I'm not going to enjoy it that much because what I want, what I'm, I'm being arrogant. I'm saying, freaking do it this way I tell you, man. Well, this is a problem with a lot of school systems, uh, and it's not. This is not a small problem. This is a a massive well, issue. It's an education. Right, where, where a Ministry of Education says we're changing the way that teaching is done now, you all all you teachers out there have to use this new system. But this is being imposed on teachers who've been teaching for fifty four years yep. and who've been doing it the old way. Yeah. Um, and, and telling them to change is one thing. Uh, showing them change, uh, unfortunately, I don't see that translated a lot. It's a top down thing. Yes, the imposition. Yeah. So um, the, this topic actually emerges from the 2017 IATFL conference um, proceedings, which I've got. I wasn't at the conference, but in the proceedings, there's a, an interesting write-up about a, con- uh, a debate between Jim Scrivener and the representatives of a massive school chain. I think it's an agency. So I'm not sure, yeah. Right, new, new Oriental. They've got 19,000 or 30,000 teachers or something like that. There's a lot of teachers. Yeah. And um, all these Chinese teachers now don't want to use the... Communicative community. approach? Well, this actually started with the fact that New Oriental held the rights to, to conduct the CELTA. Yeah. And of their 30,000 <coughs> teachers, they cannot fill a course um, of 12 places on the CELTA. And understandably so, because in the Chinese perspective, the communicative language teaching which the CELTA embodies yeah. um, is inappropriate in the Chinese context. Um and so this is the debate between Jim Scrivener and New Oriental. So the the, the Jim Scrivener's um, line that look you're not you're not using you're not sub- his line. I mean he's very pro communicative approach right. and but uh, the fundamental principle he's working from is one that I firmly believe in as well, which is you can't learn a language by being taught about it. Well, that's linguistics. That's not that's yeah, language but, but that's I mean that's a basic principle he's working from. The right. teacher shouldn't be in there lecturing about English. The teacher should be in there getting the students to helping the students to use English. Now I want to tell you that this is not a problem in China. I've I've worked no, with teachers in the yes. Maldives, in yeah. Singapore, in and and uh, everywhere. Thailand, Cambodia, and Vietnam, Japan, and, and yeah. um, when I walk past classrooms, there's plenty of teachers teaching students about English. about English. And I want to say that. It's nothing to do with teaching English. I was taught Italian this way. Ask somebody who <laughs> learned French at school and they were taught this way. And uh, Pick your foreign language. If you studied it in your home country, I would say there's a 9 out of 10 chance yeah. this is the way that you were taught. So the, the New Oriental argument is that uh, in China the teacher is the expert. Yep. Um, 
it's quicker to just tell the students than yeah, to... Yeah, it is quicker. They're, sure. they're not wrong. Yep. Um, in, the, in the Asian mentality of how school works, things are memorised, not learnt. Is that... Is that it? Uh, yes. I, I, I struggle to understand this one. Yes, memorization is the key thing here. I, I would say in the Asian context, yes, uh, that does happen a lot. Although I don't think it's just Asian because yeah. I see that that's okay. Yeah, that's um, why I'm going. Uh, students can't do it themselves. That's why the teacher has to do it for them. Okay, so on this line, I want I want to tell you about an observation that I went. That I had a teacher that I had to school again the school was unhappy said to me please go and watch this teacher and, and see if it's see if the situation yeah well see if it's situation can be solved so i walked into the classroom and this is a kindergarten class did i did i tell you okay, sure. um, the teacher and her assistant are sitting at one desk in the corner with all the worksheets on the table and the kids about 20 of them are sitting at their little weenie tables with nothing to do nothing in front of them okay empty desks they're sitting very quietly um very quietly, and the teacher and the assistant. Yeah, what did the teacher do to make me quiet? Well, yeah. So the teacher and the assistant are cutting up little pictures and pasting them onto the students' worksheets. Uh huh. Um, and they're and calling the student to come and take their worksheet, and they take it back to the table, and now they've got their worksheet, but it's already completed uh-huh. for them. Um, why are they doing that? Well, because the parents want to see. The student take something home. And that's correct. Okay. And the students obviously can't cut anything. Because they're incapable, and the students don't know where to paste things, so let me just do it for them. Um, and now, be quiet, everybody. There's a visitor in the classroom. This is the this is the teacher. So I say, <laughs> so this is a picture of everything that's wrong with uh, with. I'd say this is going a lot further than just a, a not believing in the communicative approach. This is a. Well, this is this is the antithesis of, of um, I'm not I'm not going to let the students do anything, um, and to a certain extent, it's what what the new oriental is saying here. The students can't be trusted to do. Okay, for this is a very extreme version of it, but okay. <laughs> um, but fortunately, here the school had identified that there's something wrong here. But their their understanding of what was wrong was that the teacher was shouting a lot. Understandably, because there's nothing happening in the class, the students are getting bored, they're getting restless. So teachers spending most of their mental energy keeping the class quiet while they've got nothing to do, and dividing that between doing the work for them. Shut up! I'm trying to do your work for you! (laughs) Isn't it great? I wish I'd filmed it. It would have been such an interesting video of what not to do in a classroom. Um, but okay that's a kindergarten class and yes it was very visual to see that that's what was happening but in an adult's class teachers who get up at the board and write a whole bunch of equations of how sentences put together are doing the same sort of thing they're doing the work for the students the students then copy it down everybody's quiet Um, yeah look I still come back to the whole it doesn't it's not that it doesn't work it's the I don't know how to make it work and if I'm coming from that angle, then I actually have to agree with the teacher who says this way is better because what they're actually saying is... This way works for me. This way works. I've got an, a system that works and I've tried your system. It doesn't work. So for a, from, from a manager's perspective then, we've got the question of how... What do we do? Do we do mentoring? Should we do workshops? Should we send our teachers for some in-service development training? Um, my answer is all of the above. Mm. And, uh, but compound that with, uh, look, 
there are two types of managers. There's the manager who wants to be the manager because they don't want to teach, and there's the manager who became the manager because they were the good teacher. And uh, maybe they were good in the staff room, or maybe they were good with the parents, or whatever. But they became, they are a teacher who became a manager, not a person who got into management to get out of teaching. And the, the teacher who becomes the manager, even though it might be hard, especially in the beginning, has to remember that they're a manager because they're a teacher. And if they're going to do that, then they, they haven't stopped teaching. In fact, their teaching load has increased tenfold. How many teachers do you have? Do you have 50? Okay, you have 50 times as much teaching to do now. Because your job is now to make sure that all the class are being taught, not just yours. And if that means uh, planning the lesson for your teacher today because they genuinely don't know how, then you do that. And if that means going into a classroom sometimes with the teacher and going, I see that you're struggling, uh, let me help, let's do it together, or let me show. Well, sometimes I have done this deliberately. I basically said, that's a lot of crap, it can work, watch, and done it, and it's Worked. Has it ever failed? Because uh, that's the big fear, that you jump into a class, you say, watch, I'm going to do this, and then it fails. <laughs> I've absolutely struggled, but I haven't failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly there's been times where I've gone, no, but watch, and it's just been okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, that's, that's the job. You go in, you try your best to make it work as, as best you can. And if, if your belief is that, no, nah, man, I'm just going to do it the way that I've always done, because I know best and my students are happy. Uh, look, these are, this is why people get superseded in their industries. Uh, this is also why teachers burn out, because doing the same thing year after year is, is fairly tedious. Um, and uh, at some point or another, what you've done all these years stops working for some reason. And sometimes it's, it stops working because there's a new, better way. Or, or the students have changed their their beliefs about how learning works. Yeah, there's a whole other discussion about learner training, which I think is also a big part of it. Yeah, okay, so that was really good. Before we end, um, a word from our sponsors. Okay, our sponsor today is uh, antihistamines, because I have a big, horrible nose that sounds like this, and (coughs) like that. No, no, no. Our our sponsor today actually is Pilot. Troy, have you ever (laughs) written on the board... And you take the lid off your pen and you start writing on the board and there's no ink. Um, only, wait, I taught yesterday. That only happened about half a dozen times yesterday. Great. Well, with Pilot, <laughs> you have... <laughs> Pilot, okay, Pilot whiteboard pens are, are designed to be easy to write with. <laughs> As opposed to... No, no, really. Which ones are designed to be terribly hard to write with? Just stick with me here. <laughs> they've, got, they've got this little thing at the end here. Um, that was, yeah. that was your telephone. Um, they've got this little thing at the end which is easy to take off and fill, put back in again to fill up with ink. Uh-huh, uh, I think we call those refillable markers. Those it's are refillable really, markers. Yeah. yeah, but some refillable markers. Wait, wait, wait. Does it have a spot where you, when you take the cap off, you can put the cap on the other end of the pen? It's true. That's exactly wow. what... <laughs> yeah. And they come in multiple colours, including <laughs> oh, orange. Oh, really? Yep. Including orange. Orange? Yep. What a horrible colour to use on the whiteboard that yep. no one can reach. Uh, yeah, but it's actually really good for highlighting form when you're doing grammar. Okay, great. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> All right, see you. Goodbye, Pen. Paintball Waffle is proudly brought to you by the Nonstop Waffles.
Tor and Steve for any questions, comments, complaints, or queries. You can email tefolwaffle at gmail.com or visit www.tefolwaffle.com.